everyone. This is a bit of an in-between episode. Back when we were getting ready to record episode two, which was about two months ago, Ellen came down with a really bad virus. Not COVID, but recovery has been a very slow process. We're just about to start recording again, but it means there's going to be more of a gap before episode two, and probably between the other episodes as well, since I didn't have any edited and ready to go in advance. To fill in some of the space before episode two, I thought I'd put together some of the bits I had to edit out of episode one. It's a bit disjointed, but I hope you enjoy it. We get quite a good preparation for Fanny. I suppose this starting with an orphan and being sorry for them probably comes earlier. Perhaps you can find fairy stories beginning with it. And of course, then Fanny's the first, well, she's not an orphan, of course, but the child moved into a an orphan-like situation. Mm. She's the first, but then they just come crowding in mm. with lots of Dickens ones and Charlotte Bronte and well, and then from then on, that you know, they're there all the time. And mm. you know, we're told that she has this memory of the brothers and sisters among whom she had always been important. Yes. So we've got this picture of her as a truly helpful watching sort mm. of person. I don't suppose she was exactly her mother's little helper because mm. her mother wasn't organised, but she was well, a little... also, her mother was probably pregnant most of the time Fanny was yes. growing up. which is one of the reasons why you think, why did they try to take away the eldest child mm. from... Anyway, that's one of those places where... You sort of worry at certain points that she is perhaps over self-pitying. I think there's a couple of occasions where you feel, you know, she's overdoing, oh, I am such a weak little thing. Yeah. But my goodness, she had reason to. Mm. And Jane Austen explains it through the girls. Mm. And one of the things Jane Austen doesn't quite say, but I'm reading from it. Now, one of the things she prepares us for is Fanny always hanging around Edmund. When they go to Southerton, there's Fanny along. Yeah. I mean, you know, sort of, I'm not surprised Miss, Miss Crawford gets up and says, <laughs> let's go somewhere else. Yeah. The big difference between Lady Bertram and Mrs Bennet and Mrs Palmer is that Lady Bertram is indolent but she's not vulgar or talkative. She's not fingernails down a blackboard to him. He can quite easily be in the same room as her and not. On the other hand, the irritation has been imported with her sister. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I wondered was when Mr Norris dies and there's talk of Fanny going to live with Mrs Norris, Yes. it says because at that time Sir Thomas is concerned about Tom's extravagance, it became not undesirable to himself to be relieved from the expense of her support and the obligation of her future provision. Now, surely she can't actually be costing them that much. She couldn't be costing them because anything. They are, at that stage, they are still keeping Miss Lee because Lady Bertram says, I think we will not keep Miss Lee any longer when Fanny goes to live with you. Yes. So I suppose you could say they're keeping Miss Lee because... Fanny still needs her, even though the other girls have outgrown, but they probably get rid of her then anyway. Yeah. Fanny's food costs would be not much. Well, her clothing costs would be not much. Yeah. And so well, she I mean, can't... Aunt Norris would make sure yes. that Fanny wasn't getting anything very fancy in the way of clothes. Yeah. Well, I, you would imagine that whereas Mariah and Julia would be having their dresses made by a dressmaker, Fanny would probably be having hers made over by 
a seamstress in the village who needs a bit of extra money. Yes, yes. Or, or even by some of the maids. Or by herself. Yes. <laughs> I mean, by the time she was 15. Was mm. But he still has got this worry, which he had right from the beginning, yeah. where he's probably got to get her her equivalent of the 7000 that his wife brought or the, mm. and that Mrs Norris. Yeah. And when Mrs Norris keeps saying, oh, I'm going to leave the money to your children, he thinks, oh, well... You know, yeah. that if she isn't taking her on, at least we've got that coming. Yeah. And so I'll have a bit more to, to give to Fanny. Yeah. But it, he probably would feel he had to come up with about 7000 which would be around yes. the 300 a year. Yeah, which yeah. is quite substantial. Yeah. Whereas his own daughters would be getting more than that. Oh, well, his own daughters would be in the, surely in the 10000 mm. 15000 yeah. to 20000 yeah. range. Look, maybe he'd feel... I think 7000 would probably be a maximum for Fanny. And less yes. less would probably be okay. But yes. you do get this sense throughout that Sir Thomas is planning to give her something. Oh, well, he, he just says that, just a absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning when he's talking to Mrs Norris and he's going through the problems yeah. and he's saying they must give her enough. Yeah. Um, they, they can't bring her up as a gentlewoman and then not give her the, the appropriate uh, portion. Yes. Or words to that effect. Yes. Well, I think she prepares perfectly for Mrs Norris the whole way through. Yes. Almost everything we need to know about Mrs Norris happens. Everything almost is prepared there. Yeah. And that's actually why we've decided... Because we jumped around on who, who, which character we should talk about in this section. Yes. And in the end we realised... Everything you need about Mrs Norris is here. So this is a great section to talk about Mrs Norris yes. as the character. Is she the worst of Jane Austen's villainous women? Because, yeah, Lady Catherine is a grotesque. grotesque. Yeah. Caroline Bingley is, I think, more natural and everyday, oh, but, but not... Caroline Bingley doesn't do any of the trouble. No. I mean, nothing like what Mrs no. Norris does. She's nothing like as horrible as yeah. Mrs she Norris. She basically just self-sabotages anyway. She spoils all of little plots. Yeah. Fanny Dashwood is not a grotesque in the way Lady Catherine is, but I think she's as malevolent as Mrs Norris, but I think Mrs Norris is a much richer... More realised, as you said, A picture character. of awfulness, yes. Yeah. I mean, F Fanny, it's just... Well, she, she's selfish outside, whereas Mrs Norris is there. We see her yeah. doing these terrible things. The only thing with Fanny Dashwood is we see her being mean, mm. but only mean at a sort of distance, mm. not this day-by-day destroying yeah. a person. Mm. Again, I suppose in Sense and Sensibility, if we'd had more scenes at Norland before they leave we would have seen everyday jabs being made by Fanny but also she she doesn't have that power I yeah then I was thinking do all do they all have a villainous woman and the others don't as much Emma has Mrs Elton and the sort of the only one in persuasion is really Elizabeth Elliot and they're neither of them in the same league they're not realized characters be interesting to think how she now what happened with Mr. Norris. At what point did she latch on to him? Did she latch on to him when whoever was the earlier rector of Mansfield died and the the rectory was vacant? And there's Sir Thomas's friend. He's pretty certain to be offered the rectory. I'll marry him. Mm. I got the impression that Sir Thomas offered him the rectory after they were married. 
Oh, but... no, no, I think he offered him the rectory. I don't think she would have married him without the rectory. Yeah. No, but I think the point at which she would have... He would have seemed reasonable was once the rectory was vacant. And or th- once it looked like the rectory was going to become vacant in yes. the near future. Yes. Because even without the marriage, because he was Sir Thomas's friend, there's a fair chance Sir Thomas would have given him the living anyway. Yes. Well, she might have married him when he had a less valuable living. Mm. So yes. instead of Mrs Norris being at the bottom of the hierarchy... Yes. Because Mrs Norris can't boss around Mariah and Julia. Well, she could, but in fact not, she decides well, no, to... I don't think she could in the same way. Well, probably... Because they are Miss All that would happen would be if she tried... She's taking a fairly fine line. Yeah. Because she's got to keep on side with them. Yeah. And yet at the same time, she's got to be able to tell them what to do. Yeah. But if they started complaining to her father... That would be a problem for Mrs Norris. Yes. If Fanny was complaining, that would not be a problem in the same way. Well, I think the point is she can tell perfectly well that Fanny's not going to complain. It's fairly good for her. Fanny is becoming more and more useful to Lady Bertram. Yeah. But she isn't really interfering there because Fanny would never complain. Mm. Though she complains of Mrs Norris in effect to Edmund. Yeah, she never actively complains she just says i would rather be here she doesn't say mrs norris is mean to me yes which she could perfectly well say yes in fact they could have got a child who was very good at crawling to the bertrams and you wonder what she would have done then Mm. but after all fanny likes being busy it's only poor mrs price who has to be more busy than she wants yeah but Mrs Norris doesn't just like being busy. She likes being important. Oh, I know, She, she yes. likes people to recognise the value she brings. Fanny is oh, quite I, happy no, for people. No, but no, but what I mean is that basic yeah. doing things because yeah. you like doing them yeah. is there with both her yeah. and Fanny. Yeah. And I suppose well, if we're looking for redeeming features, a lot of the things she's doing, yes, she's doing them to make herself important, And she wants to be recognised for them. But probably there is also an element of she likes things to be done right, as she sees it. Yeah. She sees herself as being, unsurprisingly, as being more organised than Lady Bertram. Yeah. And she just, she thinks that if she does it, it will be done right. If she leaves it to other people, it won't be done right. Yes. And we may disagree with whether or not she does do it right. I think in certain cases we can absolutely disagree with that. Yeah. There's the other thing, I suppose, that to really explain is why she doesn't see that Mr Rushworth is not appropriate. Edmund hasn't been long in the house and decides mm. he's so unbright, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Well, Edmund sees it. Well, Edmund Sir Thomas, sees it immediately, yeah. yes. Sir Thomas sees it. I think what we're meant to assume is that Mrs Norris, is, all she sees is his mm. money and his position in the community and yes. the size of his house. Yes. And the fact that she's getting on rather well with his mother. Yes. That his mother is very polite to Mrs Norris. I mm. mean, I think that's the other thing. Yeah. Her involvement in their education and their upbringing is misguided. So yeah. she is, I think we do have to make her responsible for some of what goes wrong with them, particularly Mariah. Well, she certainly didn't warn her against Mr Rashworth. Yeah. Not that Mariah wouldn't have said no if she wasn't interested or that she wouldn't have even broken away if she'd had a little bit more encouragement from Henry Crawford mm. if she'd done the sensible thing and broken with Mr Rushworth. 
mm. even if she was ditched by Henry Crawford. Mm. You've got this, I suppose you'd call it a trope coming up in novels of the period where somebody who has had a relationship with an enslaved woman and loved his children and his daughters have been brought back to England and sent to the select boarding schools. There's Miss Lamb in Sanderton is like that and Thackeray then a few decades later has a Miss Swartz in Vanity Fair. So the first adaptation was in 1983 with Sylvester Latuzel as Fanny and Nicholas Farrell as Edmund. Just a couple of observations from the early bits of it. One I didn't really like is that Fanny arrives at Mansfield in a cart, which seems a bit improbable. Well, particularly since she arrived with Mrs Norris. Typically, in all of these adaptations, she arrives at Mansfield on her own. Oh, right. Yeah, they, they all what, no them. other human being in the car? Oh, the, the, the person driving the cart or carriage, but um, no accompaniment at all, which again is quite, quite odd. In 1999, there was a BBC and Miramax cinema release, which was written and directed by Patricia Rosima. Fanny was played by Frances O'Connor, and Edmund was played by Johnny Lee Miller. I sort of came out of this feeling that she didn't like the book, though having said that, I've seen an interview with her where she says she did like the book, but she obviously feels some aspects are either problematic or won't translate into film and so she changed and that was one the complete changing of the character of Fanny I mean that, that uh, what sounds interesting there is somebody who thinks yes I like this book but not many people will and I'd better try and make somebody they'd like yeah I thought what could have been so much more interesting and I think a much more powerful critique of the situation would be if Sir Thomas had mostly been presented as he is in the book which is as someone who has his own set of principles, but he doesn't really connect with his children, but he's not a villain. He's yes. just maybe misguided. But then at a certain point, maybe after the return from Antigua, then you could be given something much more explicit about the slavery and the enslaved people and his relationship with them. So what, what I think would then happen is if you don't present him as a cartoon villain, if you present him as someone who initially we perhaps engage with, and then you see this, then it means that the viewer really has to struggle to reconcile these two sides of the character. Yeah. And I just think that would have been a much, much more powerful picture of yes. how how they were built on slavery and yes. how they just, so many of them were just oblivious to it. Yes. So that, that's just my opinion. I'm not a film director. Maybe yeah. it wouldn't have worked. But, <laughs> um, but I really, I did find, because he was so much bad from the start yes. that I felt there was no, not enough nuance to, to really deal with it. Yes. This is another one that starts at Portsmouth. You have Fanny telling a story to Susan and it's one of Jane Austen's juvenilia. She arrives at Mansfield at 5am and is just left at the front door. <laughs> yeah. But you can never, never imagine the Fanny of the book writing that history no. of England. I mean, no, she's much too respectful. Yes. And she's just not somebody who would say that sort of yeah. thing about 
significant people, she yeah. wouldn't be so horrible about yeah. them. And also, we don't see a lot of evidence in the book that Fanny has a great deal of sense of humour. I don't <laughs> think she has any. No. I was trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> the most recent version, done in 2007, it was a TV movie, and they actually did three Jane Austen TV movies altogether. Mansfield Park, Persuasion, and Northanger Abbey. Northanger Abbey was actually really rather fun. Mansfield Park and Persuasion words. Oh. <laughs> um, so in this production, Fanny was played by Billy Piper and Edmund was played by Blake Ritson. I'm sure as we revisit it, there will be some things I will find to be complimentary about, but I'm not sure there will be very many of them. Even the most recent Pride and Prejudice film, the one with Keira Knightley, which overall I didn't like, there were still lots of bits in it that I thought were really interesting or I enjoyed. This Mansfield Park, not so much. Whereas the 1999 Mansfield Park, there's a lot I really powerfully disagree with, but I can see the, the point behind them. Yes. This one, I just generally don't. It seems overall like just a bit of a mess to me. Yes. So those are the three film and TV adaptations. As I said, there's also been two radio adaptations. I have been listening to one of them from 2003 with Felicity Jones and Benedict Cumberbatch. And the, oh. main, the main reason I mention that <laughs> is that I just like this cute parallel that Benedict Cumberbatch played Sherlock Holmes in the British TV series Sherlock yeah. and Johnny Lee Miller, who is Edmund in 1999, he <laughs> played Sherlock Holmes in the US series Elementary. <laughs> so there's that parallel. In 1990, there was a film called Metropolitan done by Whit Stillman. It was apparently his first film. I did quite like the film. The young people in it were pretentious in the way only people in their late teens and early 20s can be. Yes. So, for example, this main character, he's read Lionel Trilling's article about Mansfield Park, and she says, but what did you think of the book? And he says, oh, I haven't read the book. I don't read novels. I just read criticism because <laughs> that way you get the book and you get the critic. Um, so, as I said, I, I did enjoy watching it. And it's worth mentioning that Whit Stillman, many years later, did a film version of Lady Susan, it was called Love and Friendship, but it was it was Lady Susan. It took quite a number of liberties, but it does sort of indicate that unlike, I think, sometimes people who do film versions, he does have, obviously, a relationship with Jane Austen's work. Yes. And I can see the influence of it on this film, but I do not think this film really counts as a modernisation of the book. Yes. Mansfield Park also had a web series. Oh, yeah. It was called From Mansfield with Love. The actress who played, well, she was called Frankie in this, she just came across as really lovely. Yes. And most of the performances I thought were generally pretty good. She's a cleaner in a hotel, but she's sort of maybe one level up above the other cleaners because she is also part of the family circle. Yes. And I thought they did a lovely job of bringing in bits from the book in sometimes in unexpected contexts. And so I just, I really did enjoy that series. Of course... Because of the context, this is not one that starts with them as children. It does start with them as adults. Yes. But there's a scene where she and Edmund talk about him helping her when she first arrived and that sort of thing. So it yes. still manages to call into some of that yeah. that younger stuff. Oh, and it also, it addresses the issue of slavery by saying, and I now can't quite remember exactly, but it talks about how the family fortunes originally came from slave-related industry, but they're they're now running a hotel. Yes. 
So it sort of, it doesn't ignore it, but it doesn't make it part of the plot. I hope you enjoyed these extra bits from episode one. We'll be back in a few weeks with episode two, covering chapters four to seven. The character we'll be discussing is Mary Crawford, and Ellen will be talking about baronets, parliament, and what's meant by having interest. We hope you'll join us.